0: Welcome to Extra Stuffs. I'm Brian Goman. While we're off on summer hiatus, Jess and I thought we'd share some extras from the past season of Foodstuffs. This will include extended cuts from previously released interviews, as well as additional audio that didn't make it into season two. Today we're featuring the extended cut of my interview with Lauren Toyota. Lauren is a former Much Music VJ and host who turned an interest in veganism, the explosion of social media, and a timely severance package into a career as an independent host, producer, and entrepreneur. I love this interview because I think it really shows that success isn't always a linear path, and it's often the most resilient people who are the most successful in the end. So here's my extended discussion with Lauren Toyota of Hot for Food.
1: So that was the first time I like really lost a job got laid off it was a traumatizing experience because I was on this path thinking great I'm gonna be on network television forever and I'm gonna get bumped up in the company and I'm gonna move to Toronto and I'm gonna be a, a VJ like you know like George Strombo like that was my dream and then that got pulled out from under me so I I had to move home I had to move to Toronto I was really but hurt I was really mad I was mad um, cause it wasn't going the way I wanted it to. So that was hard for me for about a couple of years. Cause I also thought maybe I should just give up. Like I'm not even well known enough to really make it in Toronto. You know, my only connection is much music is sort of CTV, gold media, whatever the company was at the time. <clears throat> and I didn't have any other connections, but I mean, I started trying to network. I started trying to send out emails, connecting with independent production companies. I did some digital content online with a f- couple of people, but they were sort of opportunities that came to me through word of mouth and people that know people and, and, knew me and knew that I needed work. But I even considered at that time, maybe I'll just drop all this TV stuff and go to cooking school. Like that was a, a realistic thought, but I was like, ah, I don't want to go to school. So cooking was in my mind as a backup, Um, even though I, at that time, hadn't started the blog, hadn't done anything, but I just thought, well, that's the most logical backup for me. It's the only other thing I really like doing is eating and cooking. And, uh, one day, when was this? I started transitioning into a vegan diet and, uh, started experimenting with making things that i liked but vegan versions of those and then i just started wanting to take pictures of those things and put them online so i created a wordpress blog called Hofferfoodblog.com. that was uh in mid to end of 2009
0: and i seem to recall and i might have yeah. this wrong <laughs> but i seem to recall that part of that um, catalyst for starting that blog was that you had gone on an audition for some food hosts and they said hey we really like you but we don't see you connected to food. Like you might, food might be an important part of your life. But for the public, they don't see that connection. And and that was sort of your part of the thing. Well, maybe I, if I want to have food as part of my career, maybe I do need to sort of push that Do you remember that?
1: I love that you remember this because I didn't. And as you're sa- telling me again, because you prompted me before, I was like, what are you talking about? I couldn't remember. Now I'm remembering. You are correct. I Totally forgot, blanked it out. You're right. That was a catalyst because, yeah, my brand, right. which I never at that time didn't think of, th- talking about yourself as a brand was not relevant in 2008, no, it 2009, really wasn't. It wasn't. which is crazy, right? Yeah. So,
0: well, like that was just that was just pre Twitter, even. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like that whole personal branding business.
1: Personal branding wasn't something I ever thought about when I worked in television for those first few years out West in Vancouver and working for Going Coastal and Much Music. So yeah, but looking back, obviously I'd say my brand was of course in music and entertainment. I mean, I still kind of looked that way. I still kind of gave off that vibe. That was like how I was being pigeonholed or positioned at the time. So yeah, you're right. And then they said that and then it you're right, I guess the wheels the wheels were turning because of that, and I thought well if I'm going to get yeah, if I'm going to get into food I gotta what do they say walk the talk or talk the walk, whatever, and uh then that probably prompted I mean, I was going through this personal evolution change, whatever, anyways, because of the layoff, which prompted you know dietary changes and lifestyle changes and the, the whole thing into veganism, right, so it was all happening simultaneously like that, which is an interesting sort of juncture to think about and then because of the diet change and then that audition thing and people telling me that I thought well okay now that I want to go vegan that can also be my like pathway through to actually doing this and have it be relevant and real like I'm actually making a change here let's document it
0: yeah yeah that is something that's exactly where uh, I wanted to go to is this sort of the why vegan which I think you sort of talked about did you see I mean part of it was that like you had a personal connection, but you did you also see maybe an opportunity that this was a underserved market, an underserved audience that like wasn't being spoken to at all?
1: Definitely. It was I would say the reason I you know, I had friends in Vancouver who had just started to go vegan or had went vegan, so that piqued my interest. It seemed like there was a bit of a buzz, people talking right. about it, but still very small, not the way it is now. And someone who was vegetarian for a long time as well, and then back to being omnivore. I was always interested in vegetarian food, in vegetarian cooking. Always kind of complaining that people weren't doing it right. Everything was bland. Right. It wasn't yeah. interesting to me, and I wanted to kind of try to make it more interesting.
0: Yeah. And I, veganism still to this day, sort of, there it's a it's the kind of it's a divisive thing. There yeah. are some people that are like really, really against it. And what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like identifying yourself as a vegan, especially as a public person, how does that change how people are, are viewing you? And like, what do you sort of take on by saying, by being sort of a, a champion of that yeah. vegan movement? or whatever Well, I it. certainly
1: wasn't a champion for the movement or the lifestyle or the ethics and morals behind it at the beginning, because I didn't want to get into those divisive conversations. I didn't right. want people to you know back me into a corner with all these questions because I wasn't educated enough to answer them but I had just started watching you know certain documentaries and reading books about vegan lifestyle and all of that the F, the ethics involved and stuff with with factory farming and all these things so I was just dabbling in it and then right kind of after I started the blog only 6 months in or so I ended up getting back into television and working at yeah. much music so then I really did become A bigger public person uh, than I was before and I didn't talk about being vegan in the media I mean it wasn't something that identified my brand at the time I just it wasn't that wasn't relevant that was what I did in my personal time that's how I ate but I didn't talk about it so amongst my like close circle of personal friends and whatnot they knew I was vegan and they had the questions and they were interested in what I was doing but I wasn't ready to like come out of the vegan closet as I say because I didn't want to be bombarded with ridicule and I wasn't ready to fight that fight. And then I was working out much music and MTV and around 2014, I think, 2013, sorry. Oh God, I don't even remember my times. But anyway, sometime around there, I did start posting to Instagram. And started doing hot for food on Instagram.
0: Right. Because okay. I had
1: neglected a blog because yes. I was so busy as a TV host and producer that I just was like, I don't have time to post on this blog. It looks like crap. I don't care. So let's just, you know, Instagram then became a thing. It's what I was, what I was doing yeah. online as Lauren Toyota at Much Music. So it only made sense to start a hot for food page and start posting what I was making at home. And that is when things really started to change and snowball right. into what I'm doing now.
0: Right. And we'll, we'll get there. But I yeah, want to back sorry. up a little. No, it's, it's okay. Because <laughs> that's. Right around that time, you had started the blog mm-hmm. and started to sort of post pictures and mm-hmm. and like you say, sort of explore that vegan lifestyle a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, boom! All of a sudden, you're back in much music now in a much more prominent role. You're hosting much live. You're hosting After degrassi You're working at MTV Canada. Yeah. You're hosting MMVAs. Yeah. You're all over the place. So again, your career. It gone up and sort of dipped down, and then all of a sudden it sort of seemed like it rocketed. At that time, how excited were you, or were you sort of tempered a little bit in your, because of your past experiences? Or were you <laughs> like right there, like, this is amazing?
1: Well, I was tempered because I had gone through this process in the fall of 2010 with old contacts of mine that I used to work with in Vancouver, Saying, we're going to relaunch the flagship show on MuchMusic. We really need someone like you who's experienced, who can go on live television, which I had never done at the time, but they knew I could do that. You know, we're rebranding. We're doing all this. We really want to go back to the heart of what MuchMusic is. You know, intelligent VJs who can do interviews and have smart conversations and blah, blah, blah. That's what they said they wanted. Right. So I was like, cool, I'm in. They bring me in to audition. I have all these discussions. It sounds like I'm getting this job. It sounds like I'm getting back in. And then... (laughs) I don't get that job. And like my, f- my friend who worked there, who I thought had my back, was like, no, you know, again, out of his power, I think, but people in charge were just like, no, now we're going a different direction. And I was like, what? And a couple weeks later from that, they offered me to be a producer on that show. Okay. So it really wasn't the path of like, woohoo, dream job, back yeah. in. It still was like this weird struggle of like, yeah. what is happening? Yeah. Why am I being dragged through the mud essentially by this company? But I looked at this opportunity to be a producer and kind of mentor these new VJs they were going to hire. They wanted me to help write with them and produce them and camera train them and all this stuff. And I was like, fine, this is a really cool opportunity. I guess I'm a so-called veteran now who needs to teach the younger people. And I looked at it like a cool thing. I was like, cool, I'll do it. Plus I definitely need a full-time job and I need a salary. So let's do this. So I go back and, uh, I do what I'm told and I'm brainstorming and we're trying to shape what this new show is going to be. And I'm meeting these new VJs and I'm working with them every day and trying to get them ready to be on a live TV show. And three weeks into that position of doing that, or three or four weeks, they're like ready to launch the show. This was December, 2010. And they're like, we're not ready. These people can't be on air. You, it's like such a movie. It's like, Mm -hmm. you have to be the host of the show. You're going on the air. And I was like, what? They're like, yep. We've decided they're so bad. Like the way their minds work at that place is crazy. This is like any job. I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing them. This is just, you know, an experience of working for a big company with many hands in the, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen. So then they go, Oh, you're, you need to go on air. And I made them, basically promise and get it in writing and i got a new contract that said i was going to be a vj slash producer i got a different salary i got different paperwork i was like we're locking this in already
0: (laughs) you're like this hardened veteran oh yeah saying okay you want it like this if you're I'm like you're terms, gonna if yeah. you're gonna put
1: me on this new brand new flagship show that you are promoting and trying to rebrand and revive this station, yeah. if you're gonna put me on there that very first day, like this is not a little test run. This is yeah. not like a let's see what happens. It's like yeah. you know what's gonna happen. So you're, we're locking this in. So anyways, that happened. And then that really was the takeoff of here we go. So I get to be on this new show. It was still very experimental. People really had dropped off from watching the station yeah, over the last yeah. two years since they canceled Much On Demand. I wasn't like, yay, I'm going to be like Matt Babel and Liam Miller. I was like, eh, no one cares about much music. Here I am just trying to like go with this because this was my dream job. I was actually doing what I'd always dreamed of doing, which was yeah. being live at Queen and John street level studio, like the whole much music dream. So now I was finally doing it, but I was just trying to take it a little bit, humbly like i was very much like uh who knows what's gonna happen right right? like i'm just gonna take as much as i can as quickly
0: as i can but at the time you really are like you say living your dream like yeah and and not just that but like even the degrassi (laughs) thing like i know you were a degrassi yeah i was a degrassi fan and now here you are Mm -hmm. hosting and that came a little yeah that came a couple years after so i was
1: there for four years four and a half or something and uh yeah, I, I just always just kept it in check, I feel like. And I think if you ask people who know me, they would say, yes, Lauren, like, didn't get full of herself or anything like this. Right. Because I, at that point, had so much of experience with this company and so much bad experience. All good in the end. It really all was good. But And I'm really actually thankful that it all happened the way it did because it made me that more um, grounded, experienced right person. I'm thankful for how it all happened. I love everything I did. It was really fun. And once the energy was kind of that now behind much music, 2010, 2011, the show was picking up steam one direction happened. So that really helped us. Um, you know, people were coming back, coming down to watch the show, hanging out outside. I got to do the MMVAs like that first year I was there in 2011. So that's when I was like, once 2011 came and I was doing MMVAs, I was like, okay, like this is happening. I'm in, they trust me. This is all good. But still, the um, regimes at that place changed three or four times while I was there. And whenever which that is hard. happens, yeah.
0: you really don't know You'd, what who's going to come in and say, why are we spending this money on this show?
1: Constantly right. change, Or how every, they're going
0: to look at things. Every
1: right? year something changed. Like even doing new music live. Because they just were trying out like, what does the audience want? Like they just, you know what I mean? They never could keep it, it like consistent. It was like a focus
0: group, sort of. <laughs> yes.
1: Which I don't know if you'd see from the outside as if you were, you know, a a young person watching at that time, you probably wouldn't have even really seen. Maybe you would have, I don't know. But in my mind, yeah, that's a good way of putting it, a live focus group. And so I just went with it. But everything that did happen really happened for a reason and really was meaningful Uh, once I got doing these interstitials, which was kind of watching Degrassi and talking about it in the commercial breaks, as well as all these other popular shows. We started airing because we started airing teen dramas instead of music right. videos
0: because they were like hey we're only showing 110 music videos a day people are watching that many at on home YouTube, on youtube yeah, right Once I, I think there you- was a quote with from somebody at much music that was like with vivo and stuff like that mm. you know why people kids are just gonna go and watch whatever they want whenever they want to right whereas that changed a lot from what it was like before and even when we grew up where much music was Where you found new music. That's where I found new bands. I recorded
1: videos so I could watch them later. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? You watched
0: like the countdown. Like that was uh, like a really important thing. It was a
1: very important day. Friday. (laughs) Friday night. Yes it was and all that was lost so i get why everyone panicked and didn't know what to do they're just
0: trying trying they're just trying things.
1: i'm not i don't have the i didn't yeah. have the answers either but i was just like in my mind i was like can we just stick to a plan and go with it and let it build yeah they never let anything build enough really mm-hmm. to get it off the ground they just went and changed it again but anyways once i started doing interstitials that's where this idea of personal branding came mm-hmm. to me and started happening 2011-12 because I now had this opportunity to talk to people live in what was only 30 to 90 seconds at any given time, but I could continue the conversation on Twitter. And that's when everyone right. started talking about integrating social media with broadcasts. And it really helped me as a personality, as a whatever, as a person. Because yeah. now I could, I could make these personal connections with people on the internet, even though I was only on air for 60 seconds.
0: And then the uh, fateful day, almost two years <laughs> ago, we figured to this day yeah. almost. Yeah. Um, where all of a sudden, 91 jobs cut, all kinds of programming canceled, including long-running program, including the programs that you were on. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, here you are again, laid off, out of a job, when you were – it really seemed like things were at a high yeah. level. What was that day like? What was that like going through that, that time?
1: So for about a year before that actually happened – I was in full, like, predictive mode that this is what's going to happen. Okay, yeah. But when is coming, the axe yeah. coming down? And we were all talking about it and we all kind of knew. And, uh... At that point too, I was full blown into kind of working hot for food about a year before this happened, like doing the blog. I had rebranded. I had brought in my boyfriend, John, to kind of the the brand and we were doing Instagram and actively posting recipes online and all this stuff. So that had started and my mind was already over there. So I was kind of, and I could see the ship sinking. So I was like, I was like, uh, this is going to happen, but I'm never going to quit because I might as well just see this through because I know it's going to happen. I'm going to get a package. This is what happens when you get laid off from a big company. They package mm-hmm. you out, you get money, you're taken care of, no big deal. It's sad, but quite honestly, this was a completely different scenario than what happened when I got laid off in 2008. Okay. Um, I was so excited. Really? Yeah. I was thrilled and I had to contain myself because everyone was so upset and it's like a really, it's like someone died. So you can't be like woohoo running around jumping and skipping but that's kind of what I was doing gathering up all my stuff like ready to leave being so excited to leave like I felt like my this is so is going to sound so negative but I just felt like my you know my handcuffs were taken off and I could just go do whatever I wanted plus I already had this plan kind of playing in the back of my mind of not really the plan but sort of of just like I want to do Hot for Food I don't know what that means or how I'm going to do it but I'm now being given this opportunity and this freedom of time to do it Right.
0: and now like you said you've had an extra few years sort of to build up that yeah. that awareness of you and how people know you now, people like you, you have fans. Yeah, right? I felt
1: confident because of because of that, and, and then people
0: will fall. And you already had some of those people come. And yes, you know, I think yeah. whenever that happens, when a popular host or VJ mm-hmm. presenter or whatever, mm-hmm. or a star of a TV show goes somewhere, it's like the, those fans are like more drawn to you, like because now they can't get you on mm-hmm. on much. Now they gotta find well, where can we see here? Where can we interact with her? Right?
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, You know, Much Music was my dream job. I loved doing it, but it really, now when I look at it, because I thought, oh, I'd be on TV for the rest of my life, maybe Mm -hmm. even within Bell Media. (laughs) You know, Ben Mulrooney is there. He's the host. You know, I thought that could be a trajectory, but I realized, I did realize at some point that that wasn't realistic for me, that that wasn't going to happen. Why? uh, Well, probably just my own lack of enthusiasm for that. You know, you start getting that uncomfortable feeling like, I did what I came here to do. It's over. Like, I need to figure out something else. I don't know. I just had this pull away from it. Yeah. I don't know why. And anyway, so I forget what question you asked. So
0: me. you're excited. <laughs> so you, Oh, yeah, I'm excited. So you're yeah. excited now, uh, despite the fact that, okay, you're laid off. Like you say, you have a package. It means you have a little bit of time.
1: A little bit of time, Right.
0: Yeah. You've already got some stuff going. Were you like definitive then? It's going to be hot for food. And... What about, you've you've also created uh, Lauren in Real Life. Was that, did that start while you were at much or no, was that after? That
1: came, so after I got laid off 2014, summer of 2014, I started doing Hot for Food as a blog, but I didn't launch Hot, Hot for Food as a YouTube channel until about the end of 2014. And then I didn't start Lauren in Real Life till the summer of 2015. Okay. So it's only been a year doing that. Yeah. That came after I was already in the YouTube space with Hot for Food.
0: And where did that come from? Just... Again, maybe wanting to do more than just food. and
1: Yeah, yeah. You're trying to, you know, that, it's so funny, yeah, because then you get pigeonholed as a food person. Yeah, and you're like, wait a second. And you're like, wait, I'm not just this food person. <laughs> but also with the directness and the intimacy of YouTube, I found that there was so much more people wanted to know about me because now the audience was way beyond anyone who knew me from much music. Right. So they had all these natural curiosities to know me as a person. As a person. Right. Also, from advice from my MCN, which is my YouTube partner, my kin community is my YouTube network that I work with. They were also like, we see a opportunity for sponsorship and growth if you do your own channel. You know, everyone kept saying, you should do YouTube now. You should do YouTube now. And I was like, no, YouTube's for chumps. Like I was <laughs> like, YouTube is for like... This is, I don't I was just think... just on live TV. Yeah, I was just National on live TV, TV on this like, yeah. this mega international job. brand. Yeah, interviewing celebrities. You know, your ego's like, I'm not going on YouTube. Yeah. But everyone kept saying it. And I was like, okay, I'll just record something and see what happens. People just basically had a lot of questions. So I started doing Q&As. Yeah. I did like three of those. So I basically posted only like between six and eight videos on that channel. Before I gave up, I was like, this is too much damn work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes so much of my time. I don't know if I really want to get this personal with everybody. And I just stopped and I just focused on Hopper Food for a year. But then came back around and I was like, no, I got to do this. And yeah, Kin Community was like, we should, we should, we want to sell you as Lauren Toyota, this person, this person. Um, And I said, okay, fine. So I just started doing vlogs.
0: Yeah. Now, Kin Community, now that is, would they be, I don't know in this world how you would call it. They're They're, not a publisher. Yeah. They're called an MCN,
1: which is a multi-channel network, or now you're hearing multi-channel platforms. Right. And, uh, M MCP. is that the right multi, multi multi-platform
0: network, MPN, MCN and MPN. Okay.
1: So that's the model now in this digital YouTube space is that all these creators get signed, you know, creators get signed to an MCN and they kind of help grow and monetize your channel. Uh, From various levels, people get signed on really early on. Some people get signed on once they're really popular and then they use that support as like to elevate them. For me anyway, mainly what they do is they bring you brand deals. Mm -hmm. They're that, they're almost like an agent slash manager, that middle person between you and working with Brands and brands are used to working with agencies in the advertising world, so this is like a digital agency, more or less. Yeah, but specifically for YouTube, although that is expanding now with this multi platform business because Kin Community is owned by Chorus Entertainment in Canada, so they have access to all the resources and, and all the chorus. Um, networks as well yeah. to kind of sell these so um, they can
0: take oh you know we're gonna throw some of this on our maybe on our tv or radio yeah, like or let's
1: cut a tv sp- like let's take your youtube brand thing and right. like cut a tv spot from it there's been those things so they can there's now this now you can go anywhere with this stuff right it, yeah. and, and it's good that kin is working with chorus in that way i think they found it really um beneficial and really interesting they're really i feel like they're really spearheading this in canada
0: Well, and this is such an exciting... It seems like it's been an exciting time for a while, but this is really starting to happen and people are trying to figure out monetization of digital networks or digital properties or digital offerings, right? And because what's clear is people want to watch, people want to consume, Mm -hmm. whether, you know, podcast or vlog or blog or Instagram, people are there. Mm -hmm. And where there are people, there will be, you know, agencies and companies saying, well, we want to be in front of those people yeah. how do we get in front of those people and all of a sudden you know sort of the industry sort of forms And it's interesting to see that side of it because the fact is it's not enough if you know you have a hundred thousand plus followers or subscribers on youtube or on instagram that's great but that alone is gonna bring you money nope. really now you got to somehow find a way and i guess what I want to know is for mm-hmm. the, there's a lot of people that like this idea of, oh, I'll yeah. be a YouTube star or I'll yeah. be a social media star, but I don't think they maybe appreciate the work and the sort of the business side yeah. of what goes into that. Can you talk about yeah. your, sort of your transition to sort of taking ownership for that and realizing, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, it's not enough to just get popular. I have to make this mm-hmm. a, a business. Can you talk even, about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, even I didn't really, like, respect or understand the YouTube platform at the beginning. But it, it's amazing how quickly I made sense of everything and how quickly I just jumped in and learned. Because, you know, my, my trajectory and my path in broadcast television was so slow and drawn out and for a long time, didn't understand the bigger picture. But when it came to this digital world, as everything does move so quickly, it's amazing how quickly I just did it and figured it out and had the resources very readily available to mm-hmm. me. Where in TV, I started you know, recording on ancient cameras and old tape formats. And like it took 10 years to get to HD digital. It's crazy. And now, anyway, so I think about that and I, I was just sort of forced to have to move faster. Um, when I was in television as well, near the end, there branded uh, campaigns and integrations on broadcast became what how they had to make their money. So I did a lot of like spots on TV that were, you know, Monster headphones, Monster Energy drink, like and something was always there was always a brand associated with whatever we were promoting because that was the only way we could afford
0: to. By the way, is that the same company that makes Monster headphones? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, know why, I just deserve? I don't
1: think it is same company but I remember very memorably that I had two things in that demo yeah yeah when I got laid off I came home and I started blogging I started making a lot more recipes taking a lot more photos trying to figure out how to I didn't even know how to monetize the blog I hadn't put ads on the blog when I started it even when I rebranded it there was no ads on it it was really overwhelming to me to have to think of like how do I make money off this website like without compromising the content without driving Mm -hmm. people away and we had just started building an audience so I kept ads off the site for a long time and then, you know, Google became my best friend because I just could look up how to do anything and what other people did by Googling it. And then, you know, I had a lot of people telling me what they thought I should do. It was, right. it was a lot of people being like, you should do this. You should do this. Yeah, or what about YouTube? This. But no one had done it yeah. and said to me, yeah, this is this worked. This works. Yeah. Nobody. So I was like, all right.
0: How do I filter through all that?
1: I'm going to figure it out and do it. I was like, I'm sick of talking about this. Like, I just, I hate talking about... Whatever, like talking, 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 until you you finally are unmotivated to do something. So I was like, no, I just have to keep on this momentum of I'm doing. So I'm doing the blog, I'm doing the blog, I'm doing all the social, I'm doing all the social. What makes the most sense to add into this? Fine, YouTube. So one day, John and I just picked up our our camera, and we had a camera we were taking. We start, we had just started taking good photos with this DSLR camera, and we're like, let's play with the video settings. And I I always had a vision of how I wanted my videos to look, which was sort of in that BuzzFeed vein, right? Um. I was really just following my own creative instincts. I wasn't really looking much to what other people were doing because I didn't want to be copying or I didn't want that to seep into my head. So even with video, we didn't, you know, we had seen those, what do they call them now? Dump and something, like dump and stir videos. That's what they call them. These quick dump and stir, taste made, buzz video. That's what we were doing. That's what we did. Um, I hadn't seen really any you know taste made and BuzzFeed, they obviously they've already been around doing it but i didn't see any bloggers doing this stuff mm-hmm. anyway so we just did it and that's kind of how it took off and then i really liked what we were making i just liked what we were creating i liked the process and you guys were
0: doing your own like production everything, and, yeah, we and just everything like right that, here like, on like, the floor it out.
1: yeah we put it on a piece of wood or a piece of tile and yeah. i just start making the recipes and john figured out how to use the camera video yeah. settings like we just figured it all out on our own and ignored everything else and just started putting it on the internet. And then I started realizing, again, how quickly everyone was trying to get into this. Before, for the years of blogging, never really met other bloggers, other food bloggers. But now we were connected through Instagram with all these other people. Mo- mostly Instagram was like the way I found out about everything because there was this amazing vegan community on there. And if you tag all your photos with the right hashtags, like everyone finds yeah, you. Like, yeah,
0: you, you gotta find those hashtags, and there are, right? But
1: there are people. People are hungry for this food porn on Instagram yeah. and so we just tapped into that and that I think really helped us and then a couple of these bigger in Instagram vegan Instagrammers shared our, they started seeing what we were doing and then mm-hmm. they shared our content and they were like look at hot for food and then that helped us because these bigger people were like these people are so... What are they... Who are these people? Like, look what they're making. But then very quickly, it started growing very quickly and, lot, and the audiences there were really hungry. And that's how I think the vegan community is now becoming so much more mainstream is basically just their Instagram and YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, they're there. That's where you can't find that content on television. Nobody has a vegan cooking well, show. Really, so you go exactly. to the internet.
0: Because it's they need to get to a certain audience number in a certain area for it to make yeah. sense. But for you it doesn't matter if the person is in Toronto or Belgium or Australia or whatever. And even though that total audience might not be as big as, um, uh, you know, a Gordon Ramsay show mm-hmm. or something like that, um, that's going to be made for TV. There is a passionate, engaged, uh, active community mm-hmm. on these more sort of niche mm-hmm. subjects that can be really attractive to, advertisers Mm -hmm. and things like that. I want to talk about that because that's another part of of that. We we talked about this before of, you know, they advertisers want you because you have numbers, you have an audience, they like that audience, they want a piece of that, but it's just in their blood, like they want to get their brand Mm -hmm. message in there working with and you've done a few sponsored Mm -hmm. posts. How do you marry that sort of idea of staying true to yourself and your audience and still making sure that you're giving your sponsor sort of what they want
1: well it was interesting because when we started youtube we had obviously no subscribers you know i remember we got our first deal uh for youtube when we had maybe a thousand subscribers so it was great because we got on board doing youtube with kin community almost right from the get-go i didn't the only reason i did YouTube and started posting consistently and actually like got motivated to do it was because kin community when we were introduced Have to we kin community to yeah we were introduced to them and they were they had just started in Canada and we were pretty much on board at their launch in Canada and so once we had the support and backing of them it mo that motivated me to want to do this because I it felt like being in this sea of YouTubers like how
0: yeah. How do you, how do you, you of, do it yeah.
1: on your own? Like I wasn't, because I think that's just my mentality too, of coming from network TV. I had a backing, I had somebody supporting yeah. me. I wasn't just floundering out there floating up, alone on you my own Island. Ads <laughs>
0: for your shows running through yeah. like a network of channels all the time. So right? in my eyes, I was yeah. like,
1: I can't do this YouTube thing on my own. I will quit after a month. Like it will be so depressing. So it was nice that I Basically, I say I manifested this whole thing with Kin Community because I was just like, I need someone to help me. And then bam, they like called the next day. So that helped. And then they brought the brand partnerships to the table. But what all we cared about was making good content. And then that's what our sell was because we were one of the few vegan if not, there's not, there's lots of food content on the internet, but right. not all of it is good quality. Right. And that's what bothered me. And I was like, we need to make quality content. That will be our selling feature. Like we want to make ad agency style food content so that it looks like, you know, I had this vision of maybe we're going to be like a plant-based advertising agency. And we can make content for other people. Okay. That's kind of what I thought originally. And then it became our own content. Okay, yeah. Um, cause I wanted to help all the vegan brands and all the vegan people doing all these great things yeah. that weren't creating they just weren't creating good content. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can do video, but like yep. we figured it out and we liked what we were doing and we thought we can sell this. So that's what Kin sold to this first brand deal is like, yeah, they don't have a lot of subscribers, but they have a really highly engaged subscriber base. Plus they've got bigger platforms on Instagram and whatnot that we can cross promote. And look at how good of quality their videos are. Plus they liked our personality. So we had personality and we had quality on our side. Numbers didn't matter and then that's how the first brand deal happened is It was this brand's first exploration into this. So they were like, cool, these look like the people we should trust because we don't know what we're doing.
0: And they're not as fixated at that point, like you say, with the sort of traditional metrics of advertising, which is like, oh, I need this many people or I want to pay this Mm -hmm. much cost per thousand or whatever. They're more saying, we like you. We want to get into this space. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. And what's their response been back?
1: Well... So this first sponsorship was with McCain, yeah. which was real, a really big company. Yeah, a big, big company, yeah. Uh, and like any deal, we go, oh, is this the right one? I, it's always a gut feeling for me. Pa- I had a shred of like, oh, you know, the vegan community is going to be like, why are you partnering with
0: like the corporation? Yeah. big, bad McCain. I was like, you know what? Yeah. No,
1: we have we'd already positioned ourselves as we are mainstream vegans. We are right. not like hippie vegans that are right. like anti-everything. Yeah. <laughs> We want to be mainstream. We had already set that as our brand. We had already said that as our messaging to ourselves. And so to to me, McCain made sense because they were so big and they were mainstream. And their products are vegan friendly. And we are about educating the everyday eater into like what they're eating. You're probably already eating a lot of vegan stuff. Going Mm -hmm. vegan isn't hard. Going vegan isn't about taking everything away. It's about adding a lot of variety back into your diet. And so it made sense to just be like, and we make comfort food. So French fries are comfort food. So we had all these... Big, big, amazing reasons why this would work. And it did work. And the feedback from our channel, like our audience, was all but positive. Again, there was not even a flag of anybody being like, oh, sponsorship. Like, I guess however we integrated it, very seamless. I mean, it was obviously... The thing with working with an MCN is they keep you, you know... um, on above bar with all the like there's all these FTC guidelines now with like sponsored content on all the social platforms that a lot of people aren't following but it's going to start becoming more and more enforced and so working with the MCN kind of keeps you abreast as to all of these things and they make sure you're saying you have to say this video this is, sponsored. is sponsored by so-and-so. Right. Thanks so much for collaborating with us. Okay, today we're going to make this. Like, we have to say that mention. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, YouTube and as our status standing on YouTube, we would get flagged. But mm-hmm. what's been amazing so far is that the brands really have trusted and they think because they don't know what to do, they know they just need to trust Kin. They need to trust right. these creators because they're trying to figure it out. But they're they're like, you know, trust the creators. Like, the, the voice of this, in order for it to be... Authentic, in order for audiences and and people to really like yeah. like your brand and have a good impression of your brand coming from p- these people they trust, it has to be in their voice. It has to be... Right.
0: And it doesn't take a lot to lose people. It doesn't
1: take a lot to lose people. If all of a sudden
0: him. you put out a couple of sponsored posts and they go, your audience is thinking, that is not the Lauren I know. So we've been or, dabbling with that. Yeah, we've right? been dabbling
1: with that now. We've done yeah. a bunch. We did work with McCain a second time this year. We worked with Silk mm-hmm. again this year. Um... But I would say overall, you know, you get a couple of bad comments, but a couple bad comments out yeah. of thousands of other comments is it's nothing. It's YouTube. It's YouTube. You're going to get bad comments. Exactly. Yes. So I would say for the most part, everyone's been quite pleased with, you know, at the end of the day, they're getting really good recipes and inspiration. Yeah. Who cares if it's sponsored or not? And that's yeah. my attitude. And I also think that is the attitude mainly of our audience. And a lot of them are like, yeah. get that money. Like they're like, <laughs> yeah, get that sponsor money. Like they're, they support us. And so they're excited. Yeah. They, they,
0: well, they want you around too. Yeah. Right. And that's the reality is people know like this is increasing. We're increasingly going to a world where people don't want to pay for content or they want to pay the smallest amount possible. And we've let them as Mm. producers or creators or, you know, publishers that has happened. But they also know that these people need to make money. This needs for this to stick around. There needs to be something there. So so now here you are a few years in. You've got two YouTube channels that are both doing great. You've got a King community behind you. Mm-hmm. You're working, living, thriving as a freelance, mm-hmm. independent producer and host. Is this now your, your path for the foreseeable future to stay out on your own? Are you a YouTube star or <laughs> MPNCP star <laughs> for life? Is this uh, you now? Well...
1: I feel like, okay, I totally love what I, working on my own. Yes, I don't really ever see myself going back, and, going back and working for somebody because if anything, I would like to rather model myself as like a like you mentioned Gordon Ramsay or whatever, but anyways, these big food stars are their own, they have their own production companies and they have their own empires. And then the networks come back and they go, please. (laughs) Or that you partner with them and they help build you up more. I see myself possibly doing that. Like if I were gonna partner with big network again, I'd rather keep doing what I'm doing get it really big on my own because then I'm like, look what I did and then they come calling. Right. So I'm I not- love
0: that term too, big network. It's like big, big ne- tobacco. <laughs> big <network>. Big TV <laughs> will succumb to me. It is.
1: I, yeah, part of me thinks that would be cool. Um, I totally like what I'm doing but at the same time, I feel like there's an expiration date on this YouTube thing. Okay. I don't know why no one said that. I just sort of feel like I can't possibly do this for 10 years. Can I? Like I can't.
0: Right. This is maybe that 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 your past experience is coming. This is I great. This can't possibly last, right? That's
1: kind of maybe what's happening. But also
0: things are changing. It's clear, like, yeah. think about even, I mean, we've talked about it. In this time, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all of this has happened and been established as a a real way of not just connecting with people, but creating mm-hmm. a, a career. Mm-hmm. And who knows where that's... Going yeah, to
1: go. I'm very right. open to to those changes. Like I'm not scared of them. I'm open to like I'm like, "Okay, cool. I figured out how to jump from big network to digital media very quickly. Like I said, quicker than it ever took me to get into television to like make a name for myself in television." So at that rate, you know, it was 10 years in TV and only now 2 years doing YouTube. You know, my second year of working freelance, my business has tripled. Amazing, you know what I mean? Like at that rate, this is going to last what another couple of years and then I'll have to transition into something (laughs) else. Or am I just going to add things to my, my so-called empire? I don't call myself that, but I mean, do I, so now is it a book? Is it a podcast? Is it, is it some type of guest spot on a show? Is it like, there are so many things I could do Mm -hmm. and I'm really open to whatever that is, but I really want to stay on top of these changes and like, Be on or ahead of what's next. Like
0: be in the driver's seat, really. Yeah,
1: yeah. I have to be in the driver's seat now. It's so cool that I get to do this and nobody really tells me what to do. That is my favorite thing. I do whatever I want. (laughs) That is a dream. That is really the dream because in television, while I wanted to be on television for whatever reasons and, you know, that was a childhood dream, I still felt like it was always like, do what we tell you you know? And now it's like, and I always was so angsty with that. I don't like people telling me what to do. (laughs) So for me to just be able to do what I want is what I've really always been looking for.
0: So there you go. That was my extended interview with Lauren Toyota of Hot for Food. Check back in the space for more extra stuffs, We'll be releasing more extended cuts and additional audio that didn't make into the previous season of Foodstuffs. The best way to get all of the stuffs is to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Foodstuffs Life or on Facebook by searching for Foodstuffs. Thanks again to Lauren for speaking with me and thank you for listening.